0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy pork beverages.
0: East County Lime Road in Ridgeland,
1: 601-956-1030. What's up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. Appreciate you hanging out with us in this Monday, October fourteenth edition of the Rebel Report podcast. I am back from Columbia, Missouri. Uh, not my favorite road trip as far as like the drive. It was uh, about seven hours. I uh, there were no hotels in Columbia, so I had to stay in Jefferson City. It's about thirty minutes outside of Columbia. I thought it was a pretty cool place overall. That stadium was pretty cool. I had a credential snafu, so I had to go walk through the masses on, like, the tailgating on campus to go get my credential and all that. That wasn't real fun, but from what I saw, it looked pretty cool. I don't know. I've never been to Missouri. I was just interested to see what the place was like. Uh, What's up?
0: Not much. Uh, Don't worry. You'll never have to go back unless you're still there, I don't know, 20 years.
1: Yeah, I keep hearing rumblings, though, that there's a pod scheduling deal in the works. Um, As far as they're doing, like, a a three-permanent and five-rotating type model. So, who knows? They may restructure in the next couple years. But, yeah, if it does stay the same, Ole Miss won't go back for, what, 16, eight eight years? Is it eight years, I guess? Well, I mean,
0: Missouri's got to come here at some point um, before they even go back. God knows. Uh,
1: Yeah, so, I don't know. It'll it'll be a while, I guess, is the point. Uh, Let's just get right into it. I'm a little pressed on time. Not a huge deal, but Ole Miss loses – Thirty-eight twenty-seven, and it was kind of a strange game. I it went about like I thought. I mean, it was right on the Vegas spread. I don't know who, where it started at, like ten and a half. It closed at like twelve and a half. So, depending on what you got it at, I think Ole Miss covered. So, there were a couple of things that stood out to me in this game. Obviously, the quarterback thing. Thing we'll get to that in a second, and the defense played horribly. Ole Miss has had a couple really catastrophic quarters this year and it's been the third quarter a couple times where they've just kind of dug themselves in a hole that they haven't been able to crawl out of and that was the case again on Thursday. I mean, on Saturday night against Missouri they gave up 271 yards and 24 points in the third quarter that pretty much proved to be their undoing they did some nice things offensively I thought they played okay other than that but that swing to end the first half and then the third quarter the way the defense played really just sunk them there was no recovering from it
0: yeah it felt like when they didn't get in uh, they're there at the end of the half, the game is pretty much over. I mean, Missouri got the ball after mm-hmm. halftime. They went down and scored, if I remember correctly. Uh, they were up two touchdowns and Ole Miss didn't have the offensive five power to overcome that, uh, especially when considering the defense wasn't able to get stopped for most of the night. Um, I mean, it, 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 look, they're also a better football team. It is what it is. But it, they shot themselves in the foot, too. Um, you know, the mild battle call. Uh, you know, not getting in there right before halftime. But um, just, just you know, that's, that's a tough way to lose a football game. But I don't think anybody that's, that's rational and watch that stuff that you know, almost was a better football team than Missouri. I mean, you, you got to play exceptionally well on the ro- on the road to win a football game, and uh, Ole Miss didn't meet that criteria on Saturday.
1: Yeah, it's almost like they're a bunch of eighteen and nineteen year olds trying to learn the ways of the SEC. They didn't, they didn't play like you said. I mean, it's, it's a cliche thing, but they didn't play well enough to it. Like when you play on the road, you can't do stuff like that. I mean, you. You see it all the time. I mean, you, Ole Miss isn't good enough to beat themselves. And you had the, like, there were three or four plays in this game that really swung the pendulum of the game fairly violently. You had the goal on stop near the end of the first half that really was just kind of backbreaker, really momentum wise, really the way the game was set up with Missouri getting the football at the end of the, or at the start of the second half. You had the Miles battle hold that was really just completely unnecessary. It had no effect on the play. Then you had, you know, uh, Plumley fumbles a couple plays later. You had two roughing the passers with targeting. That's one going to affect them for the first half of the next game. And two, back to Missouri out of the shadow of their own goalpost twice. And then you had a fourth down sequence in the in the fourth quarter when Ole Miss was kind of crawling back into the game after a Sam Williams interception that they weren't able to do anything. Matt Corral missed Elijah Moore on a deep ball by I mean, really a couple inches, and if that if he's able to catch that, that's a no doubt or touchdown. I mean, he's walking in. I mean, he's probably in the end zone by the time he actually catches his balance after catching the ball. So, there were really four or five plays in this game that really swung it violently, and none of them really went in Ole Miss's favor. Ole Miss didn't, it's, you know, I would say, what, three of them were self-inflicted. The long ball's just kind of poor luck, and you know, I guess all four really were except for the, the missing on the deep ball, but I don't know. I didn't get a good look at either targeting call. They look like the right call. Uh, you know, one was a little quicker than the other in terms of it being a late hit, as, on, as far as roughing the passer. But all in all, they just they didn't make they didn't make any winning plays. And I know coaches say that is like a canned cliche all the time, but it's really the case. Like Ole Miss didn't really do anything to win the game. They did they played nicely offensively in spurts, but and then again, the third quarter is where it just came unraveled. Missouri went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. A defense that had been pretty good against the run for most of the year got gashed. I think Roundtree averaged six yards a carry. He was the first 100-yard rusher Ole Miss has allowed since Patrick Taylor did it against Memphis. And that was really from a defensive standpoint where this game was won and lost because you knew Kelly Bryant was going to, to use an NBA term, kind of get his through the passing game. I don't really know how much. I didn't really know how much to expect Ole Miss to contain that. But the running game, I mean the run defense really let Ole Miss down. And after the game was about as upset and agitated, I guess I would say is the right word to use, Mike McIntyre, in the short time that he's been at Ole Miss, he was very upset or perturbed with the tackling, particularly the tackling in the secondary. Because, I mean, you saw it on Saturday night when Missouri bounced runs outside. The guy was running through arm tackles and then got into the second level. And, you know, they gave up, I think they gave up touchdown runs of like 51 and 44, maybe it was 54 and 41 in that third quarter, and they had pre-snap alignment issues that McIntyre claims they haven't had early, uh, like at any point this year, and I just say claims because it's hard for us to tell sitting there up there in the press box. He, he made it sound like that was a new thing, and there were a couple of pre-snap things that allowed those big plays, but he was he was pretty upset with how the game went from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I
0: feel like if you had told total mess before the game, hey, you're going to score 27. They thought they'd have more of a chance than probably what they did. Uh, you were never going to go like the scoreboard up in Como. Uh, so I think if, if you told Ole Miss, hey, you're going to score four touchdowns on Saturday, they thought we might win this game. Uh, but, you know, there's never really were in it in the second half after Missouri goes and takes both and they kick off in the second half, takes it down for a touchdown. So, yeah, it, it was the defenses to me. I mean, look, Alabama did what they did, but they're Alabama. Uh, it was their worst performance of the year to me. Um, you, you get kind of gashed on the ground, which has kind of been your forte was, uh, you know, stop people on the ground, um, and the Missouri just kind of, you know, dominates you there. It, 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 it was it was tough for the defense on Saturday night. They just couldn't get the stop to, to allow the offense to get back in it. You know, stands to Sam stand, Williams' interception, um, and Ole Miss maybe could have got back in it right there, but other than that, it was it was tough for the defense.
1: Yeah, and I always try to picture myself, like, try to position myself, because I get so much crap, like, online. Not get crap, but I see so many people in, like, Twitter mentions or whatever, or the Sports Talk mentions upset, like, online during the games, and, like... But most of it is amusing to me, if I'm being completely honest. But uh, sometimes I try to like picture myself, like after, like after, after I get done writing, and I get back to my hotel room. I'm like, if I cared about, like if I cared about Ole Miss and really were invested in this football team, like what would be the most frustrating part? And I think somewhat, I would say, for pe- people seem to be frustrated about, is it seems like a different thing each week. Like you had the secondaries, the Achilles heel, and that was kind of a theme going in, and still remained that way really both in the tackling department and, and against uh, against Kelly Bryant through the air, but, like, the run defense had been good pretty much up until Saturday night, and then it really just imploded, and then, I don't know, it just seems like some part of the frustration is, like, maybe the lack of consistency even in the reasons why they're losing.
0: Yeah, no, it's totally fair. I mean, people, people want, you know, to pinpoint reasons, and, and that's just human nature, and it's, like you said, it's something different each week, I mean. You know, against Cloud, you don't really do anything offensively. And uh, against, against Memphis, you don't do anything offensively. You go to Missouri, you just threw probably enough offensively in the defense influx. Uh You didn't really have any backbreaking turnovers and no fumble fumble, but it was in his own end of the field, too, or their, their end of the field. Yeah, that wasn't uh,
1: backbreaking, but it was kind of significant, particularly, like, momentum wise, it felt like it just because it was after the battle of Hold.
0: Yeah, I mean, sure. But uh, I guess what I'm getting at is it wasn't. It wasn't like the defense was defending a short field either. Oh, no, no, for um, sure.
1: I'm agreeing with you. I was just kind of – I found that to be at an interesting point in the game.
0: It, it was, It's just, you know, it's like you said. It's, it's something new every week when, when you get beat. I think that's just tough on fans to say, well, you know, we got better there, but, you know, we got worse here. Uh, so, this is what it is. It's uh, it is. It wasn't a great look for Ole Miss on Saturday, but in the same vein, I mean, you lost a team that was better than you on the road. Um it kind of happens in this week. unless you stop
1: Carolina. I also think it's, uh, yeah, we can get to that in a minute. Missouri's got a puncher's chance at this whole East thing. Yeah, I think they're
0: better than Florida. Uh, they're not better than Georgia, but they're better than Florida to me.
1: I don't know. I watched a lot of that Florida LSU game. Florida was impressive offensively, and then LSU's just legit on offense. I mean, they keep yeah, doing it good defense after good defense. That was a 28 21 game in the third quarter. It kind of got away from Florida late, but I mean, that was really a touchdown game on the road in Death Valley. Yeah, I don't know what
0: Dave, I mean, I don't know what Dave Aranda was doing on Saturday night. I mean, he was blitzing every third down in Mullen, and just like, I'll run a screen now. <laughs> it was the first third and fourth it was interrogating. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, Missouri's really good. Uh, Kelly Bryant's really good. The, the Roundtree kid's really good. I thought their offensive line was really good. Um, so that's, that's going to be a three-way battle for the East now that, that South Carolina went into Athens one.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, kind of getting back to the Ole Miss game, uh, we can get. I'll have some thoughts on the kind of the rest of the SEC because I was able to watch some football in my hotel room before I went to the to the stadium, which is kind of a rarity. But I, I, I mean, we're burying the lead here. The quarterback thing was probably the most fascinating thing about this game. John Rice Plumley gets the first, I think, like five drives. I mean, it was basically all of the first quarter, the entire first half, except for the final drive. Would be, I mean, that's that's what happened. And then, so, Ole Miss, score, like Ole Miss scores on a short field after they muff a punt. Plumlee makes a nice throw to Scotty Phillips in the end zone on kind of like a... It wasn't a wheel route, but they peeled him out of the backfield, and he was kind of left open on a delayed thing. It was a good throw. Ole Miss goes up 7-3. They don't really do anything much offensively after that. I think they went punt, fumble, punt, punt on the next four. And there are a couple reasons for that. Is One is... And we can get into the quarterback thing in a minute because I think the quarterback situation Ole Miss has right now is the most, like, 2019 controversy ever because you have to be all in one way or another. You can't have any nuance or, you know, stick your hand up and be like, hey, actually playing two quarterbacks works. So, because like I said after the game, the quarterback picture remains uncertain. And, you know, I had like three or four people be like, what do you mean? Like, Plumlee's the best option. Or it's clear that it's Corral. It's like, actually, you're both stupid and wrong. So, anyway, Ole Miss doesn't do – Miss doesn't do much offensively after that corral comes in and to his credit coming in cold off the bench having not played a game in three weeks he looks really sharp and like the toughest thing for particularly young quarterbacks to do is throw the ball between the hash marks in the middle of the field i mean you see it particularly when when teams don't trust their quarterbacks And I'm not saying Ole Miss doesn't trust Corral, but I'm just talking about with younger quarterbacks in general, you see shorter throws towards the sideline, and they kind of stay away from the middle of the field. Well, Corral did it. I mean, he threw two really nice balls to Elijah Moore over the middle. Really, he had two incompletions, and one he kind of threw it away when he was under pressure. Not threw away, but put it in a spot where the the receiver could catch it or was out of bounds. And the other one was just because Mingo slipped. So he goes, what, four of six on that first drive, hits Elijah Moore three times and hit... I forget who else he hit. He may have hit Gregory, but looked really, really good and kind of gave the offense a spark. And then they get down to the one-yard line. Snoop has a seven-yard run, and then Snoop Connor gets stuffed three more times. So they gave the ball to Snoop four plays in a row. I'll have to go back and watch. I don't know how much of those were read plays or how much was them, like which ones were giving it, just giving it to Snoop. But Ole Miss gets down to the one and gets stuffed on fourth down, and that really changed the momentum of the game. Because almost had a chance to go up at halftime 14-12, to and instead you're down 12-7 with Missouri getting the ball. I mean, that you talk about, you said backbreaking earlier. That felt backbreaking for the Rebels. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it, when you didn't score there, I, did, I didn't really think there was much need to play the second half. It just kind of felt over. Um, but, it, but as far as crowd goes, I, I thought maybe it was one of his better performances of the season, maybe his best even. I mean, he completes 64% of his passes. He throws 8.3 yards per attempt. Um, no touchdowns, no picks. Obviously, he misses more down the sideline on little fourth down. But I thought he was really good on Saturday. You know, look, I mean, Plumlin's obviously dynamic with his feet. and do a lot of things there. But I, don't, I think people kind of forget that Matt Crow's a freshman, and, and he's developing and getting better, too. And I don't know. I, I just thought, I thought he was really good on Saturday when, you know, I know obviously, you know, he didn't. Account for any of the four touchdowns, because I'm not sure how much blame you know he gets for the uh, for the one day at the end of the first half either.
1: That's a nice uh, talking point for the people that really like Plumley. It's like, well, Matt Krause didn't score any touchdowns. It's like, do you have eyeballs?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if you wanted to go that route, I guess that's fine. But I, I except I it's not. It doesn't make any sense. On too.
1: Except it doesn't make any sense. Like, making that argument makes absolutely no sense. Like, shocker, it's no coincidence that Plumley began to run better and run more with more consistent success when Corral came in the game. Now, let's put our thinking cap on and kind of see why that is. Because when Corral comes into the game, they actually have to respect your ability to pass. And so it opened up the field for Plumley because he's enough of a passing threat where they kind of have to be somewhat honest. But it spreads the defense out and opens up the field more. Like, that's not an accident. it it... it, it like I, uh, the post game chat or whatever that I, I do on Periscope after the game, it just blows my mind. Like I, like I, sometimes I get done with those games. I'm like, do people watch the same game? Like, did I have? Am I in the wrong place? Like, what is going on? Like, that's not an accident. And then to use the whole, like, well, John Rice scored all the touchdowns. Well, yeah, but that that's such a disingenuous and illogically unsound or logically unsound argument.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Look, they're, they're, they're certainly an attraction to, to John Rice primarily for for whatever reason. I thought he was fine on Saturday, but I, I think he also probably struggled a little bit more than he used to in the second quarter, uh, and that's why Ole Miss was you know down at halftime too. I don't think Matt Corral was done extremely fair, uh, to be completely honest. I mean, there were situations fair. and it doesn't... where they just kind of threw him in there on fourth down, and you know when they needed to throw the football. I, I, I think at some point, I don't know. You, look, you can play two quarterbacks, but you can't play Trotting Ray Plumlee on first and second down and then on third and long and say, hey, go get them, bud. Like, I don't, I don't think it works
1: like that. Well, their most effective – I'll disagree a little there because their most effective drives of the night were when they did that. So when they began to alternate them on the, within the same drives in the fourth quarter, Plumlee ran for 62 yards and didn't attempt to pass or maybe attempt one. He didn't have any passing yardage. And Corral threw for fifty-seven and ran for sixteen. So yardage-wise, that was their most productive quarter. And they didn't get the ball for the last seven minutes of the game. I think that works because I mean yeah, the numbers vary and blur it out a little out.
0: bit. Though, if that was against the pre-Vent Missouri defense, it was kind of giving them you know some some yards too. I mean, Missouri was up two touchdowns and was more interested in the clock bleeding out.
1: I mean, sure, but you did that in a in a quarter where you didn't. I mean, they moved the ball better. They moved the ball most consistently when they both played.
0: Yeah, uh, look, I, I just don't think it's fair to a kid to only play him on third and long though, which is kind of what it seemed like they were doing with Corral um, outside of the last drive where they rotated him. It seemed like literally every play.
1: Yeah, I, I think they need to play them, and I think they need to do what they did at the end of the game because I think it, it, I think it keeps I think it kept Missouri off balance coming in and kind of not knowing what to look for because you saw at one point on that last touchdown that Pullman ran. I was walking down the field, so I didn't see all of it. But I'm pretty sure they brought Corral in, they ran a couple plays, then brought Plumlee in, and it was... a de- I couldn't tell if that was a design run or he scrambled, because you had two receivers really far downfield, and this is as I'm getting down to the field in the end zone away from where the play was going. But the point, like my point is, is he had you know, 25, 30 yards to run before there was a defender really within his vicinity. And I think that's part of the thing that makes the whole two-quarterback thing effective. And like... I like obviously my opinion here doesn't matter but I'm of the opinion they both need to play and they need to kind of play them like they did in that last thing because people get so too hung so hung up on the quarterback thing and if you don't have two quarterback if you have two quarterbacks you don't have one cliché and all that well, like people just ignore where that's actually worked in the past I mean 07 Florida or the Thompson kid and whoever else did it at South Carolina or I, I say 07 Florida was it Florida or LSU Florida League but it, it has worked. When you have two guys offer do different things, it has worked. Like I don't, and like it, I think it's foolish to just be like you have to ride with one. Well, if neither one of them is done enough to be like that's the guy on every down, why do you have to ride with one? <laughs> I mean,
0: that, that, that's fair. Uh, I do wonder. I do wonder. It look if you're bringing Corral in just for third and long stuff. I mean, they, they know you're going to pass the football. That's kind of extremely unfair. I thought I tell you where I had my biggest issue with with Ole Miss and their play calling on Saturday is when they brought Corral in. They just completely neglected the running game itself. Like Corral made a few plays with his feet on scrambles and whatnot, but Ole Miss went kind of completely away from the running game when he got got the football. They just kind of dropped back and threw it every play, which didn't really make sense to me.
1: Yeah, part of that is them being so. I, I guess that was the second part of what I was kind of getting at with them starting to alternate drives, what does that look like when they're not chasing the game and chasing the scoreboard?
0: Yeah, they're not down 14 points.
1: And having – you mentioned them going third and long and you mentioned having them go to third and long and having to throw. I think that – like my point, like I think it worked and I think it would actually be more effective when you're not chasing the scoreboard, when you're not down 14 points and, you know, nine minutes left to go before the game ends, right? So
0: Yeah, I mean, look – you can't keep falling down thirteen, fourteen points on the road, and thinking you're going to come back. But it's kind of fa- I'm kind of fascinated how they handle it on Saturday, to be frank.
1: Yeah, but like all of that, be damned. what is that? What does the two quarterback within the same drive thing look like when you can just kind of? I mean, relax isn't the right word, but actually run a normal offense and run a normal drive where you're not chasing the game as it spirals away from you.
0: Well, I think if, if Rich Rod has his brothers and they're not down 12 to 13 points, I'll just be honest. I think he'd rather keep John Rice formally on the field just because I think he feels totally more comfortable with the kid right now for whatever reason that is.
1: But I mean, at the same time, he brought Corral in in the second quarter. Yeah,
0: well, he brought him in when he had to throw the football too. I mean, they they had to go on a two minute drive, and I mean, obviously, I would I would think anybody with common sense would know that he's probably the best option for that. Uh, but except I, for maybe the fourth down play. Uh,
1: but I I think I think I think though he came, I think Corral was brought in more so because Ole Miss wasn't doing anything offensively and Missouri was not respecting their ability to pass it all because Corral came in the game with 4 minutes and 40 seconds to go in the half. Like, to, like they had plenty of time to matriculate the ball down the field pretty much any way they wanted to. I, 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 think, I think Rich Richrod and, and from listening to him speak after the game, I think he's fine with playing both, and I think that's what he prefers because somebody asked about, like, like, did you feel like you had to do it? And he said, no, I did whatever we had to do to win the game. Like, it's unconventional, but it worked. So, I guess, uh,
0: I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's too many limitations with, with Plumlee. Look, I think I think you can play both. I also think you probably need to play macro at least 60% of the snaps, too. Like, I don't think it can be a, a, a 50-50 thing or a, a Plumlee 60-40 thing. I do think you've got to have, for the majority of the time, the ability to stretch the ball down the field, too.
1: Well, which is what we've gone back to for most of the – from from since this thing started, I have been in the camp of they need to – like, Corral's the guy – like, Corral is the guy you need to play on every down, and there needs to be a package of plays for Plumlee. And, like, people always, like, take that and think of, like, a Raymond Cotton or a Jason Pellerin type thing. Shout-out to Hugh Freeze. But it can be a fairly large package – but, like, I think Corral offers more in the passing game, so you need to have him as the, quote, I mean, you call it the every-down quarterback, but clearly it's not when you're using two. But I guess primary quarterback? I don't know what term you want to use. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I,
0: you've got a guy that you know is going to have the ball in his hands in the game all the um, I think that guy needs to be Matt Corral. Um, that's going to piss a lot of people off. Um, because a lot of people are, are diehard John uh, to fight for camp members. But... I, I just don't know if it's, look, I thought we'd have answers um, on Saturday about, you know, if his offense would work consistently within, you know, the SEC.
1: I thought that I'm for the last two weeks. We have that answer yet. Oh, I, I, I know the answer as far as, like, the the Plumlee offense, as far as that's going to work consistently. I, I think we have that answer. I thought we were going to gain quarterback clarity for the last two weeks, and it's just gotten more confusing and perplexing. <laughs> I mean, you, you say that, but Plumlee
0: did. I mean, I know this is, you know, an argument when you compare it against Corral, it, it seems like a dumb argument. But he did score four touchdowns on Saturday night.
1: You know. Sure, but Plumlee by himself went punt, touchdown on a thirty-yard field, punt, fumble, punt, punt.
0: Yeah, and I guess what three touchdowns well in the second half. Yeah, over they to they And
1: seven. and Missouri, you saw it. You saw it from the start of the game. When Plumlee was the starting quarterback, Missouri put seven in the box and went single high safety and immediately forced him oh, yeah, to punt because they couldn't run the ball.
0: Everybody can stay in cover one again. that's going to happen.
1: Because they don't respect his ability to throw the ball. And then people <laughs> – so, I, of course, I had talking about Corral coming in the game during the game on Twitter. It was a wise move. And then Plumlee comes back in in the third quarter after Corral had two drops. It saw it out and threw a touchdown to Elijah Moore, which was a great throw. It was like told, like, told you, what are you talking about? It's like – that's not the argument. The, the deal with Palme that's keeping him from being the every-down quarterback is not that he can't make throws. It's the consistency and the rate at which he makes them. He made a nice throw to Scotty Phillips for so that touchdown, made a nice throw to Elijah Moore, made a handful of other ones. But then there's – I mean, he went an 8 of 17. There's a reason other teams were recruiting him as a slot receiver and a safety. It's the consistency. It's missing – so that there's a there's a slant route, it looked like, to Elijah Moore, I think at the beginning of the second quarter – and like he was open, but not only did Plumlee miss him, Plumlee missed him by no joke. I'm trying not to exaggerate seven feet.
0: Yeah, and, and I, yeah, everybody's gonna say, "Oh, he made throws on that." Well, he made he made a, a nice throw to Scotty, Phillips down the down the sideline that an SEC quarterback to make. Um, he made some other nice throws down the field and, and got Elijah Moore to the ball in space, but but the middle of the field is non-existent. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure how existent is my crowd, to be frank. Um, but it's, it's more existent there. Look, yes, he can throw the football. He can throw it. You know, okay. I I, I just man, if they're going to sit and cover one all game, um, you've got to be able to stretch the field at some point. And I, you know, I haven't seen that that ability
1: yet. Yeah, so I guess I'm just at a loss as to how. Where it's like you need to go with Palmieri. It's like, did you watch the first four drives of the game? Yeah, he can't
0: be the every-down quarterback. I, I just don't see see that at all.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, like, and, and again, people, like, there's so much stuff that goes on away from the ball and like what opposing defenses do that like kind of flies over people's heads like the re- the reason Plumlee began to run more successfully in the second half is again because Corral was being rotated in and they were actually a threat throwing the ball like I just don't understand how you can watch what Corral did on that last drive and watch the throws he made 15 to 18 yards down the field and a lot of times over the middle of the field and put it right on the money and then be like yeah Plumlee's a better option throwing like eh this is like this is like
0: you know I'm trying to think of an apt comparison. This is like Ron Braun from the Brewers. Like, you, you take him out of left field you give him an off day and his replacement hits three home runs. Ron Braun is still your starting quarterback, or your starting left fielder, you know? Like, just because he, he has a game where he does the right thing, I don't, think that, yeah, I don't think that's sustainable in the fact that you can just put him over there, put him in there as starting quarterback and forget number two exists. But it, uh, frankly, I thought it was a little ridiculous they didn't go to Corral earlier than what they did.
1: And in the, But in the same light, you can't stick Plumlee on the bench either. You have to use those feet. Again, oh, no, yeah. I'm firmly what? in the camp of both need to play. I think Corral needs to be the primary guy. If you want to put a percentage on it, how about 65-35?
0: Yeah, I think that's about whatever. I mean, he doesn't need to sit the first five drives of a half, I can tell you that
1: no but to their to their to their credit they ran for 413 yards on albeit a bad team last week like get, i don't I, I don't have any pro, like I, I i have trouble faulting them for going five drives into a game and then being like okay it's not working and trying something different before you go into halftime like that's not a very I big sample size.
0: Faulting when you were, I, mean, it, I don't know if they saw the vanderbilt UNLV score before the game but I, I i could have told you that wasn't going to fit
1: Sure, but five drives is not a large sample size, and then they had a touchdown it was to pretty show.
0: Pretty much the entire. Hat.
1: Yeah, I know, but it's still that's still. I mean, five drives is five drives, whether I mean however long it takes. They let Plumlee go out there for the first. Let me make sure I have this right. Pull it up. They went touchdown, punt. They went punt um, touchdown, right? So they only they let they, they only let had four drives actually. They went, or no, excuse me, five, five. Uh, wait, no, I've got this completely backwards. Hold on.
0: It's gotta count it as four because it's a muff punt, but it, I mean it's essentially
1: five. Yeah. So, but see, I don't, I don't have problem following that if they wanted to try it and they want because Matt, I, I think it, I think Matt Luke likes what Plumlee offers. I think he wants to be a run heavy team. I think Richrod likes that in some senses too. So them saying after five drives, hey, this isn't working, we got to throw, we got to throw a wrinkle in there. I don't have problem faulting them for that because they're less than two quarters in and tried something different as opposed to continue to jam the square peg in a round hole for three and a half quarters.
0: I guess I just I, I feel like you were on the corral a little bit earlier. You may have had to because it felt like Missouri was ready to. I mean, it felt like they were in break them, uh, but don't break there in the first half, and they didn't break. Um, you know, the, obviously the hold and the fumble, and then kind of Ole Miss got stagnant until the end of the half. It, I think, I think if anything that you know, if you're an Ole Miss fan, hopefully they kind of you know saw that hey, we can't keep running the same dude out there five or six drives in a row when we're only able to run the football and throw out routes. We've got to do something else. Because I also think, look, and you you may disagree here, I think there's getting to a point where there's enough film on Plumlee out there that people are going to be able to take advantage of some weaknesses at some point. Um, I don't necessarily think, you know, there was for Alabama or Vanderbilt. I think, you know, Missouri was able to do it a little bit. I think by the time Texas and m shows up on Saturday, they're going to have a game plan where they're able to stop him um, to, to a better extent than those three teams did. And I, I, I think I think if Ole Miss wins on Saturday, um, it's because Matt Corral plays really, really well.
1: Yeah, sure. But in the same light, like that, maybe there is more out on him and, and teams are learning how to stop them better. I mean, that's only natural. You see that happen in every level of football. But at the same time, his quickness, there's only so much you can do. Like, there's going to be plays where his quickness is just too much for other teams to be able to corral. I wonder at some
0: point, and, and I don't know, I wonder at some point if, if Texas AM and Auburn against him drops a safety or a, a defensive back down the linebacker and just buys him, somebody that can run with him.
1: I mean, sure, but you're that, like the the, I watched the, I watched the, um, Texans and the Chiefs yesterday, where each team tried to do this to a degree. But man, even if you do that, you're giving 15 to 20 yards between the two players and ask the guy, hey, don't let him get by you. Like, that's a hell of a task to do. Like, teams may try that. I'm not saying that, but I don't even know if that would work.
0: Yeah, I mean, it almost runs the football well enough that you could probably take advantage of it some. I just think at some point that's going to happen, that they're going to drop the defenses back in there and say, hey, don't let him outside. Um, is that tough? Yeah, probably. But I think some teams eventually are going to be
1: good enough to do it, too. So, anyway, we've kind of talked that into the ground. What was interesting is outside of Plumlee, Ole Miss didn't really have a lot of success running the ball. Scottie Phillips touched it seven times, 20 yards. Corral, three carries, 18 yards. Snoop Connor, five touches, 10 yards. And Jaron Ely, six touches for 10 yards. They were definitely, like, outside of, outside of Plumlee making plays with his feet, and a lot of that is him getting that, letting him bounce it outside. And it was like I said, more effective when Corral came into the game and the field got a little more open. But Ole Miss didn't run the ball well between the tackles at all, and that's been something that they've kind of is kind of been their calling card for the last couple of weeks. And they didn't do it well at all. And Missouri, with you know minus kale Garrett, their front seven was pretty pretty stout, and Ole Miss kind of felt the brunt of that.
0: Yeah, it, it, it was tough running for an offense. that want to break itself around running the football, obviously. Flumley goes over hundred yards again. He has a pretty good game on the ground. The running backs kind of struggle. Um, I'm not sure what I count that to. i have kind of one. You know, I talked about this with some friends yesterday. Is there? Some, there has to be some worry about how many the, the load that Flumley's carrying, right? Like, like this dude's not an SEC running back from a physical perspective, and he's had over sixty carries in three weeks. I feel like at some point that might catch up with him.
1: I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, it's not ideal, but he's also not your normal like quarterback. And I wonder if, like, not that like this is going to sound bad because I'm, I'm phrasing it in a way where it's like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter if he gets hurt. I wonder if they're less cautious because of what they have behind him, and I say behind him in corral. Like, it's sort of a yeah. rather unique situation. I mean,
0: that, that's certainly fair. I wonder, you know, obviously. If, well, when you say that they, they ran him like that against Alabama when Corral wasn't available though.
1: Yeah, I mean true, but that's I mean, I don't know. I mean eventually you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean you, you we all worries aside, you gotta do whatever you can to win a game. I mean if that Oh means- no, I'm
0: not I'm not saying you should change the offense. I'm saying am asking if, if there has to be some concern over how many times he's carrying the football, because eventually he's gonna get hit in the rift, right? I mean like that's just how this works. You run the ball and don't slide, you're gonna get popped and you're gonna have to miss the time.
1: Sure, he has, but I mean, at the same time, he's not running it like a normal quarterback. He's getting out of bounds some. I mean, I, I'm sure that's always going to be a concern, but I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot they can do about it.
0: Uh yeah, transitioning. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying change the offense. I just, I'm worried that, that at some point he tried to hurdle a kid on Saturday, and I was very worried for his safety at that point.
1: So uh, um,
0: he does not fly.
1: Ole Miss didn't really throw the ball. I mean almost threw the ball somewhat affected. They were the two combined were eighteen of thirty-three for two hundred and thirty-six yards. And Palmy had the two touchdowns. He was eight of seventeen. Corral was ten of sixteen. Again, outside of Elijah Moore, not really anyone made an impact. Demarcus Gregory had a couple catches. You had Don Dario Drummond with a pair of catches. And then that was those were the only two other receivers besides Moore that caught balls. I mean Moore had eight catches for hundred and two yards and a touchdown. They're still kind of waiting on on anyone, whether it's Mingo, whether it's Gregory, Drummond. They're really struggling to. Part of the reason they're struggling to be consistent in the passing game is because outside of Moore, there's really no one that's really like been a factor. Miles Battle hasn't been a factor at all. I think the only time he's had his name called by anyone in the stadium this year is on the holding call. And you know, Mingo is. You saw flashes against it against Alabama with Mingo. Gregory's done some nice things in spots. But they're like Ole Miss would be a better offense if they had one of these bigger, stronger receivers on the outside become a more reliable target. Because right now that's just not happening. And some of that is by design. And, you know, the way Moore, like, Moore's position and the slot receiver and all that runs, like, lends itself well to kind of Ole Miss wants how they want to, I guess, parlay the passing game on top of the way they run the ball. But they're kind of missing a threat, threat there. And I, I, I don't know what you do about that. It may just kind of be is what it is. But, you know, it's almost like they're replacing three guys that went to the NFL.
0: Yeah. Um, and you've got one guy that's, that's shown consistency. Um, I think Don Dario Drummond can play when Corral's in the game. Um, and, you know, read into that what you will. Um, I think, you know, obviously just being more of a threat in the passing game helps them out. But, yeah, it, it's been tough receiver. I, I noticed on Saturday, they, they're really, really struggling uh, getting off pre- press coverage. So it's. Yeah, they've got to get better. Uh, I think the guys are talented there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's to a point where if there's not, not serious improvement, I'm not exactly sure that you can't not go get some receivers
1: and recruit too. I mean, sure, but they're also all, I mean, you're talking Drummond Juco guy, what, he's, I guess, seven games in now. I mean, Gregory, basically a true, I mean, he is a, I mean, he's not a true freshman, he basically is. He didn't, he, he couldn't have played last year with, I think he had a knee and then something else. You know, I, Miles Battle's the one that's been kind of the mystery here because he had a fair number of receptions last year, played in four games, did some nice things, and has really just been a non-factor all year. And then I think Mingo's going to turn out to be a nice receiver. Yeah, I Same, think
0: Mingo can
1: play. Yeah, I think he's still just learning it. I, he came in and he talked to us last week on Wednesday. And it was interesting to him talk about like the hand fighting and the hips and stuff that goes with getting open and getting off press coverage. And you he, you could tell he was talking like a guy that was still very much learning it. And so I don't know. I, I, you would, th- like, I would think Peeler and particularly Rodriguez – would like to see one of them kind of take a leap by the end of the season and kind of go into next year knowing, okay, we got at least one guy on the outside that's kind of becoming more of a threat. Anyway, any, like, I guess to wrap up this, this, the talk about this game from a macro perspective, this was a like a really chance for Ole Miss to kind of notch a signature win. I know we said that a lot last week. They'd been improving. I still think they are an improving football team. I think they're a better team than they were in August. I think they're learning, but the schedule hasn't done them any favors in the sense that like the games that were really kind of quote unquote winnable and having chances to show results with the improvement were in September as opposed to October. And this was a chance for them to kind of notch a signature win. And now at the same time, you're basically one game away from knowing that you're going five and seven at best. Yeah. I mean if you don't beat A and M you're going five and seven base, best case scenario. Yeah,
0: well, I guess you know, I guess anything could happen. Carolina did win, it happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you don't win Saturday, five and seven would certainly be the uh, logical best case scenario.
1: Um, yeah, and four it, and eight but, might yeah. end up being more likely than that. We can get on get onto that in a second because I have some thoughts SEC elsewhere. But that was kind of yeah. my big picture thought. It was a missed opportunity. You hear Matt Luke say missed opportunities a lot. You know, Ole Miss wasn't supposed to win this game. Missouri's a better team. But Ole Miss, like we said, was you know three, four, five plays away from actually giving themselves a real chance to win one on the road. Yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. Um, but then that you're a two touchdown underdog on the road. It's you know you lost the football game. It is what it is. Um, come back Saturday and be and Texas an A&M. You're five point underdog there. At some point, Matt Luke has to win a game like Saturday night. Like I mean, since they yes. walked off the field in Houston, the games that you would deem winnable from a uh, you know where where they're not a slight where they're a slight underdog or a slight favorite. No with five in those
1: games. Everyone but Arkansas and Vanderbilt is really the way to describe this.
0: Yeah. At some point, you have to win one of these football games. If it's not Saturday night, I think people have a right to be critical.
1: Yeah, sure, and that's what's interesting. And I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I've written about it some. I've written about it really at the bottom of my story for the last two weeks when I try to wrap it up with a big-picture thought. It's like the foundation is there. You can tell he's laid a nice offensive foundation. He's done a good job, you know, putting people in place, getting personnel, and hiring the right people to, in really just a year's time, shoring up what was just a future defense. I know this is not the best like I guess, week to say that because they played so poorly, but you can still tell that they have a better defense than they did a year ago. So they've laid a nice foundation, but the only thing that's going to allow him to see that through are results. And results meaning games like that. And so he's got to win enough of those games like this to stick around and I'm gonna throw the interim year out just for the sake of it terms of being it his program. Yeah, you can't label
0: it year your year, year two or whatever and then count as interim wins, you know.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So in year two, he's really got zero of those. If you wanna throw Texas in Texas Tech in there, I'll allow it, fine, one, but after like you eventually you gotta start filing a couple of those away. And I mean look at South Carolina. It's an extreme example of it. Must champs had a miserable year. They've had quarterback problems. They've had all kinds of injuries. Their schedule is absurd. But he finds a way to go on the road and kind of scheme up. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I, this is a, not the best analogy because I'm not saying Ole Miss needs to go beat an LSU or a Georgia or something like that. But those types of wins are kind of what keeps you around as a coach. I mean, you can't tell me that didn't single handedly buy Will Muschamp a longer than no, what inspired is. That. No, yeah, 100%. And I'm not sure he should have anyway because they've had a miserable year. Fortune-wise, but those kind of wins keep you around and keep people invested and keep people, I guess, thinking you're competent, thinking you're able to get the job done. If that makes sense.
0: I mean, look, there was there was criticism of Keith Breeze after the in, in the 2013 season before he beat LSU because there was, you know, outside of Mississippi State, there was really nothing of significance. I mean, he kept losing close game after close game, and uh, then he finally knocked off LSU. That LSU game kind of feels like what Saturday night has to be for Matt Luke. I think with a lost Saturday night, I don't think there's any chance of getting this fan base back this year. Now, a win Saturday, and and I feel like they're all engaged. And you're playing for a bowl game in Starkville that night. And I think, frankly, right now Ole Miss is better than Mississippi State.
1: Yeah, it's a huge, crucial game. I I mean, I, I would agree with that some. The freeze thing is funny to me because there was even people pissed at him after the 15th thing, but he just kind of slapped that black MX on the table that said, hey, I beat Alabama twice. My credit's still good here. Um, so anyway, um, that's really about all the thoughts I had on that. You know, they've I mean, Mike McIntyre. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't say hesitate. To say ripped, but look, he's he's straight up said it. He said our secondary is our Achilles heel, and I don't know what to do. Like he didn't say I don't know what to do about it, but we've got yeah, to he do. it, not s- say I don't no, know. No, what to do, he, he, but I, I, that's What he did? That, I that worded, was a sense he gave. No, I worded that wrong. He said we've got to do something about it. He said they tackled poorly. They're the weak point of this defense, and we've got to do something about it. Which is, I appreciate the honesty because it's about as frank as he could have been. Yeah,
0: I mean, well, it's not like. You know, anybody with eyes can see it, too. Because low-key, the defensive line played pretty well on Saturday. Um, the linebackers weren't good. Sam Williams, look, I know he had the interception. I didn't think he played. He got hurt in the first quarter. I think that limited him a little bit. Um, but the secondary, it's it, it, its not good right now. Um, and it's a talent thing. It's not a schematic or a coaching thing. They just—I think they it's got a, freshmen I, and guys back there that uh, older guys that
1: just aren't getting it done right now. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think they have some nice pieces. But like I've, I've said a, a more than twice on this podcast, is I think you've got a—I mean, it, it's freshmen, but like it's, they're playing them because they're not getting the production they want from the older guys. But anyway. Um, let's get to some other thoughts before we got to end this thing up. Podcast brought to you by LBs. Hope you all enjoyed Greg's picks. Colin is in charge of getting the LBs pick results in order for Wednesday Wednesday show. We have Monday. Night. I've got them from
0: this weekend. Do you want
1: to know? No, let's hold it from went to Wednesday. Let's see how this Monday night football game plays out, and then I'll have you read them at the beginning of the show on Wednesday. But go see Greg university avenue across from kroger you heard all the kooky stuff he's doing with different types of meats i got hungry listening to him talk on friday i hope y'all enjoyed that too i don't want to know yet how badly he beat me in the pick'em because it's just going to piss me off but go see greg he is the meats guy you need to go to lb's if you're going to do any grilling um like i said university avenue it's across from kroger it is grilling season um, Greg will get you set up. they got plate lunches. They've got all kinds of stuff. He pretty much makes whatever you want because he feeds the baseball team. He does all kinds of interesting stuff. Go get LB's. It is the best. Bouncing around the SEC a little bit, it was an interesting weekend. and. I think I got to see most of the drama outside the LSU-Florida game because I was able to watch the early slate of games. One, that's a hell of a job for Will Muschamp in South Carolina. I don't really know how to give him enough credit for that. I thought that was a really outstanding win. Georgia played terrible, but, man, to go on that road, given what they'd faced the last couple weeks, was really impressive. And I guess I can compound this at the same time. Holy cow, State's in trouble. (laughs)
0: I mean, we can say for a second, that's a bad look for Kirby, right? Like, you can't lose that football game. Alabama doesn't lose that football game. Alabama loses the team that, you know, are five-point underdogs, not three-touchdown underdogs. I, I don't know how that happens.
1: Yes, but at the same time, Alabama's the greatest dynasty in the history of the sport. Sure, but this, this Georgia team's
0: just as, as talented as
1: those teams. Fair.
0: I mean, it, that's a bad look for Kirby. I mean, look, you can win that game 27-20 to 20 and nobody says a word. And, yeah, you talk about, oh, you know, we missed a field goal in overtime. I guess two field goals in overtime. But, man, or I guess it was just one. But, like, win the game. Don't even go to overtime, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I yeah, I agree. That I felt so bad for Cal Carolina on, like, three different occasions. I was like, man, they played this well and they're going to blow it. When that kid missed the field goal in overtime, I was oh, like, oh, no. they're toast. I was like, they're not winning this. Like I've seen I I've seen did. That defense played so well. Yeah, they they did. And I mean they played the second half with the third string quarterback. I don't know what I didn't I missed what happened to him. Yeah, I
0: don't know. I just saw him over on the sideline first.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. Like kudos to Muschamp. Uh, I watched a lot of the state uh Tennessee game. Uh that was a really hard watch on the eyes. I I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I just I mean, man, those are I mean, I hate to be too too. I mean, I'll be frank here. Those were two really bad football teams. I mean, that was a really difficult watch. Well, For someone who's yes, just turning on, but, if you put an alien in a chair and said, this is what SEC football is, he's like, send me back to where you came from, to where I came from.
0: Look, well, I get what you're saying, but in the same vein, Tennessee realized about midway through the third quarter that they can't score, so they just kept running it and punting it. I kind of respected that. Yeah, They were like, nope, nope, y'all can't do anything.
1: I... Things really get uncomfortable for Joe Moorhead going forward, don't you? I mean that's Buddy, that's,
0: they're three and three right now. Um, they're going they're getting yeah, LSU on Saturday which is lost. They're going to College Station the next Saturday which is loss. That's three and five. I mean, it, yeah, you think it's bad now, it will be three and five.
1: Yeah, and I just I I one, I think they I think it was undersold how sorely they missed, I don't know, the three first round draft picks they had go to the NFL. But at the same time, their run defense is atrocious. That defense is very bad, and I honestly, I don't know if the game would have turned out different, but they would have given themselves a much better shot to win that football game if Garrett Schrader had played four quarters. Yeah, I think Tennessee
0: could have scored some more if they wanted to. I still think Tennessee wins the football game. Um, But, yeah, I don't know how you keep playing the season kid, right? Like, play play the freshman and let it go. Also, but he didn't play that well on Saturday, to be fair.
1: Trader, yeah. No, but I mean, he's a true freshman. He comes off the bench, but he has a certain playmaking aspect. It's sometimes it's kind of he's got a little bit of Plumlee in him in the sense that like he's kind of I mean he's not the greatest thrower of the football. He's still limited. You can tell he's still very much learning. But he has a playmaking trait that Stevens doesn't necessarily have. And I don't know if that's if Stevens is still banged up. I don't really I don't pretend to be an insider on Mississippi State football. But Schrader has an edge to him that you don't get with Stevens, and he should have been the starter for the game. Because what I don't understand is a guy who doesn't cover state and a guy that's looking at it from a 10,000-foot view, you're 3-3 three and three going to play a game you have to win at Tennessee, and Moorhead's trying to buy himself more capital to, I don't know, stick around for the next half decade. Why not play the guy that you're going to have for the next three and a half years? Like, Stevens is a grad transfer. Why, why hold on?
0: Yeah, no, it's certainly fair. Um I don't know. That's going to be a sticky situation because look, I mentioned they're going to be three and five more than likely, and people make fun of this, and I get it. Arkansas, literally, I mean, if you watch them, they are getting better every week. Like, are they winning football games? No, but they're not. They're a better football team than they were four weeks ago. Mississippi State goes to Fayetteville in three weeks, and buddy, if you lose that one, it's you can call it over. Well, it's okay. three and six. He's done,
1: right? I don't mean I. I, I have a very hard time. This was John Cohen's hand-picked guy. He wanted a cerebral offensive guy. I have a very hard time believing that he gets canned in year two after an eight-win season. <gasps> now, I know that eight-win season has little context. I-, I got all that. I'm not dumb. But I guess four and eight would be the territory for it to be an actual reasonable possibility, which you lose to Arkansas, that's probably four and eight, right? I mean, you know, Egg Bowl. You lose to Arkansas. I
0: don't know why you wouldn't lose to Ole Miss.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Egg Bowl, weird stuff happens blah, 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 whatever. But, boy, being you lose to Arkansas at 4-8 and, four and eight is very, very, very much on the table and probably likely.
0: I don't know where State would turn. And, and this is a broader conversation. There's not that hot name coach out there right now like there, there usually is. Like, that guy just kind of doesn't exist right now.
1: No, and the guy after Dan Mullen was never going to win at the level of Dan Mullen. And I think any expectation that that was going to happen was foolish. The greatest coach in your school's history is not going. His successor, in all likelihood, is not going to win at the same level. I mean, history just doesn't yeah, ever bear that more out.
0: Than
1: this, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I, I got you. I, I, got you on that. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this to justify what Morehead's doing because you can't lose at Tennessee like that. I'm just saying there's probably going to be a guy after the guy that has more success if we're being honest. Just kind of how history seems to play itself out.
0: i would probably hire a guy that's recruited in the South before. That's just me.
1: Yeah, bouncing around elsewhere, that LSU-Alabama game is going to be a hell of a lot of fun.
0: LSU's going to win. I've decided. I decided on Saturday night LSU's going to outscore them. Um
1: That's a good Florida defense that they torched.
0: And Alabama's not that good of a defense. Uh, you know, as weird as that sounds. Now, look, LSU's got holes in that secondary and in that run defense. Um, and Dave is not being very good right now. But I think LSU right now is, is the better football team.
1: I would agree with that. I uh, I did not watch any of A and M Alabama. Credit to Alabama for going and beating the brains out of another opponent on the road. Just the Saban machine rolls on. Like you said, that defense has issues. Going to make Alabama LSU interesting. But you brought up the point earlier when you were talking about it with Kirby. Like I don't think we kind of lend just how ridiculous what Saban does. Every game they're supposed to go, they're supposed to win. They go on the road and beat the brakes off of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, what Every they've done single the past week. two years has been extremely impressive. Um, and they're not going to lose. Like, I don't think – I I, I kind of don't think Auburn's good enough to beat them. No, Auburn's good enough to beat Georgia. Um, so I think the only game I that has a chance of losing is an all LSU this year.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't really know what to make of Georgia. One week, you know, happens they got problems. From played horribly. I don't know uh, – I don't know what to make of that, but I do know <laughs> – I need
0: to know who looked at J- uh, Jake Fromm and then Justin Fields and were like, "Yeah, let's keep the Fromm kids?
1: It probably doesn't happen if Fromm doesn't isn't a ridiculous overtime away from winning a national title as I a freshman, man. But come on, like Justin
0: Fields is
1: free. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it probably doesn't happen if that's not the case. Um, bouncing around elsewhere, any other big picture college football thoughts? I was really kind of out of it on the night games. I feel bad for Clay Helton. They keep yeah, just, I was just fighting saying, and fighting. Not bad. No, they're not. But he's he's a, he's a lame duck. They've had well, They
0: don't have an AD right now. I wonder if that that keeps. Them.
1: I think they're trying to clear house. I think they're trying to clear the president, the AD, and he's just the last peck standing. If he can win the Pac-12 South or whatever the division they're in, maybe. But you know, credit to him for continuing to fight through all of those circumstances because they were close to. I mean, they were hanging around in that game. I don't know which string quarterback they started this week. Uh, it. Any, they
0: started the second one.
1: Yeah. Uh I think this is a different Oklahoma team because of what their defense is. That uh, I think they've really got a shot to translate better in the in a playoff game because of obviously. Jaylen. Okay, I
0: have a weird look. I, I love Jalen Hurt, but he did not play well on Saturday against the best defense that he's seen, and probably the best defense that he will see because those two will probably play again. I wonder about him in, in, in against good defenses when they get to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and that's certainly fair. But at the same time, I think unlike last the last couple years where you've had to score 30, 40 points to stay in the game, that Oklahoma defense is legit. They are much better than they've been in years past. So I think they'll be able to hang around in games better. The thing is is they moved the football pretty well for most of the game, but Hurts just had two or three really catastrophic mistakes. Which, okay, you don't know
0: who's actually legit, though, and, and this is Saturday night. Oregon is a really, really good football team. It's unfortunate if they lost the game, they probably should have won to Auburn.
1: Yeah, but if you look up at the end of the year and they're 12-1 and 1 with a Pac-12 title with their only loss coming to Auburn, depending on how Auburn shakes out, I don't know how the rest of the year is going to shake out, but I wouldn't count them completely out of it.
0: I wouldn't either, but the problem is there's no other good teams in the Pac-12 besides Utah.
1: Yeah, they need Washington to keep winning. Um, yeah. they, they need and to beat not. Washington next week and they need them to keep winning after that. I uh, I'm trying to think any other. I guess Arizona State, but I'm not sure if they play them. Yeah, I I didn't really make much of that. I don't know that Texas OU game went so differently than I thought. I think Oklahoma's legit. I think um, I don't know if, if I saw I, I, I saw a column written by our friend Dan Walken, and I don't obviously have your thoughts on I Dan didn't Walken because
0: I'm blocked.
1: Yeah, so I. Go ahead. But you <laughs> say what you want about Dan Walken. I thought this was an interesting point. Is if Scott Frost can't save Nebraska, maybe it's Nebraska. Like, that's what I've been kind of saying and again. Like Nebraska, that feels like
0: Tennessee, right?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Those are the two programs where you just look at it it's like, this is never happening again. They don't have any advantages that your average Joe school doesn't have anymore other than fan support. That's it. Yeah. This is I never mean, happening Nebraska? again.
0: Nebraska high school football ain't exactly setting
1: the world on fire. No, and the, when, back in the days with uh, Tom Osborne and all that, they're going and getting kids across the country. You can't do that anymore because you're not that Nebraska. So Nebraska and Tennessee, that's never happening again. But I agree with Walken in the sense it's like, hey, if the guy that you know basically built e, uh, UCF into the annoying team of claiming national titles can't do it, then who's going to be able to do it?
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's probably why you said, look, there's talk of this. That they want to fire him and all that, and I think that'd be an absolutely
1: stupid decision. Yeah, I think that would be very, very stupid. Um, that was about all the thoughts I had on college football. Really, Cardinals uh, are dead. Yeah, transitioning real quick, we'll go to NFL and then some uh, some MLB baseball. For I have to go to this press conference. Um, one more time, go to LB's, go see Greg I think we're going to have Greg back on the show on Friday Turn that into a weekly thing See what crazy stuff he's got Go cook it up in the uh, LB's kitchen But go see for yourself He's got all kinds of sausages, steaks, custom cuts Get some jalapeno poppers Get some mu- mushrooms uh, Weather's getting cooler It's like 60 and crisp outside Nothing better than watching football on Saturday And throwing some stuff on the grill And knowing you have nothing better than do Than to stuff your face and watch football We'll let Greg stuff your face for you Go go see him, he's got all kinds of good meats If I ever get an off weekend Which apparently I'm told that Ole Miss does have a bye week After uh, A&M, I'll believe it when it comes I'm probably going to throw some LBs on the grill And do nothing and lock myself in the house so, go, go see Greg Kroger across from University Avenue. Real quick, run through some NFL. I'm excited for the Monday night game. The Chargers are a joke. That was an absolutely pitiful performance. The Niners are really good. Are we headed for a garoppolo Brady Super Bowl? Uh, no, the Saints
0: are the best the
1: there. Maybe, but I'm not counting out the 49ers. My goodness, they are good. Rams got some issues. The Rams could end up being the Super Bowl hangover team. That's the odd man out in that division because the i the odds of all three teams in that division making the playoffs aren't good. And they're now three and three with Seattle at five and one, and the Niners at five and zero. Oh. Yeah,
0: no, I think it's a yeah, it's going to be a fascinating NFC uh, NFC race. I think that the Texans are actually kind of legit. I just think Dola Bryant's so bad of football coach that he holds them back.
1: I think that offensive line is kind of starting getting better if they can protect Watson. I think they've got a chance. I uh, it's interesting. It's like Brian won all those divisions without a quarterback when the AFC South so bad. Now he has one. This feels like they were they need to actually make a playoff run and win a couple playoff games. I can you imagine if San Francisco had comparable offensive talent to what the Rams have? Holy cow! Yeah,
0: no, that's certainly fair.
1: I mean. Kyle Shanahan, everyone talks about boy wonder Sean McVay. He's a very bright offensive mind. Uh, Kyle Shanahan turned Matt Ryan into an MVP. Guy's pretty smart. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, th- I think Kyle
0: Shanahan's an extremely good football coach. I think that's starting to show. I mean, look, Garoppolo is what he is. Uh, I think he's okay. Um, but they just kind of ran the football at the Rams all day yesterday. And just, what about the Rams could do to stop it.
1: The Titans are dead. They're a total joke. I am done watching Titans games. That was the main. Be-
0: uh,
1: I don't know if it's a Brabel thing. I think they give him a chance to get a new quarterback because I think Saturday was the end of Marcus Mariota. I you know, you saw Ryan Tannehill come in, they moved the ball a little better, they didn't score any points. Oh yeah, no, they bitched they bitched Mariota in the third quarter. I think that's done with Marcus Mariota. I think that's somewhat on Mariota not progressing, but I think how bad the Titans offensive line is, I don't think there's any quarterback that can succeed behind that offensive line. And for what they're paying the Titans offensive line, it is a travesty that they're earning a check every week. Because there's no quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes included, that is succeeding behind that offensive line. There's just not one. So I don't know what they do at quarterback. I think you have to move on from Mariota. The problem is is what's going to bug me as a Titans fan is Mariota's going to catch on and get another chance as a starter and probably going to be much better because I think the Titans organization ruined his first three years by allowing him to get the hell beat out of him.
0: Yeah, no, that's certainly fair. Um, I, yeah, the Titans... Bad on offense right now. They're on watch, but it kind of sucks too. That's a really good defense. Uh, they're just kind that's of a championship
1: caliber defense.
0: Yeah, and they're just playing a good way.
1: Yeah, they are.
0: And I don't know if a quarterback fixes their issues either. I think it helps. Yeah, no, I mean a good one does. Uh, but how many good ones are out there?
1: You know, trade up in the draft. There's a lot of stuff they can do. I'm not going to give them an out. They need to go find a quarterback. Uh, that was really about all I had Kirk Cousins finally beat a good defense It looks like maybe that he's kind of progressing a little bit I mean, Eagles got a good defense That's a good team And to his credit, he played really well yesterday
0: Yeah, no, I mean, look That's an atrocious Eagle secondary The NFC East is an atrocious division To be frank um, But yeah, I mean, look They got Stefan Diggs the ball I'm, I'm sure he was finally happy with that
1: Sam Darnold, pretty good
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's
1: He's fine. Um, He's going to be they, okay they if they can struggled. get if they can get some stability around him and he stays healthy and you know doesn't get mono anymore. They could be pretty good.
0: They're okay. Yeah, that defense is actually a pretty good team. Dallas sucks. Um, yeah, that, I don't know what's going on in Cleveland, but good God.
1: I mean, Adam Gase helped revitalize Peyton Manning's career. He turned Ryan Tannehill into a playoff quarterback for he went down smart offensive guy. Cleveland is just they're, Look, man, they've got a guy that was a running backs coach this time last year coaching the team because he's friends with Baker Mayfield. Like Odell Beckham doesn't equate to wins. Like this just is what it is. I'm not shocked. Baker Mayfield wasn't supposed to be the number one pick. I think he can play in this league okay. I think he's more comparable to Case Keenum than he is Drew Brees, like some people are saying coming out of the draft. But they don't play they're not they don't play disciplined football. I know that sounds like old man yelling at a cloud, but they don't.
0: Yeah. I mean, Freddie Kitchens is, is not a great football coach, and Mayfield's really struggling right now, you know, I hate to see that. Um, but it's, it's crazy because they've got all these offensive playmakers and no offensive line, which obviously is really setting the back, you
1: know, millennium. Well, I saw Bill Simmons pointed this out. They were averaging like six yards a carry with Chubb, and then instead, they're like, actually going to let Baker Mayfield drop back and throw three almost interceptions and punt. <laughs> I mean, they're a running football team that doesn't give him the ball. Yeah, no.
0: I mean, look, he had a bad fumble yesterday that really hurt him. So I but yeah, overall they, they don't they don't get into football
1: enough. That's about really all the thoughts I had on that. I mean everything else was just kinda whatever. Jameis Winston is still Jameis Winston. I think Bruce Arians might have lost six years yep. off his life in London, England of all places, which kinda sucks. Um, yeah, no, that's certainly fair. Oh, no, not London. I'm not talking about London, England. I'm sure it's a fine place. I've never been. I'm just talking about going all that way to watch your quarterback turn it over six times and your team turn it over seven times. Probably frustrating. He wants a bad quarterback. I'll be interested to see how Tampa shapes this rebuild if they move off of Winston, because Bruce Arians is a good quarterback coach, but if he can't save Jameis Winston, nobody can. No, it's certainly
0: fair. Um, yeah, it, that, that, is, that is certainly a fair assessment of Jameis. I- Five interceptions, man. Like, come on. How, how
1: does that even happen? Because he's Jameis Winston. That's the most Jameis Winston game ever. Five picks a fumble, but he threw for four hundred yards.
0: Yep, yep. That's, that's kind of just what he is at this point, right?
1: Yeah, Last thing, couple quick thoughts. We'll get into a little more on Wednesday. Washington meet, like mean, Washington pitching meet World Series.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that thing's over, right? Like, I think they even win tonight, and they might even sweep it on on.
1: Yeah, that was really, really impressive. That pitching staff is legit. I think this astros yankee series is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but, yeah, I think the cards are toast. Yeah, hate that. Um, so I've got to run to this press conference. We'll probably get an update on kind of the quarterback situation and all of that, kind of see their thoughts after looking at the film. We'll be back at it on Wednesday. I'm sure I'll have someone from A&M on. We'll talk some playoff baseball, some football and kind of get into what is really interesting week for Ole Miss for a lot of reasons because they really need some kind of signature win to sell going forward. And this is really their last opportunity other than the game at the end of the season with Mississippi State. So one more time, go see Greg at LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. It's grilling season. Weather's getting cooler outside. Keep what's on your grill high quality. Go see Greg. Custom cuts, all kinds of stuff. Sausages. He's always experimenting with all kinds of cool stuff as far I mean I, I, I could not even it was so far over my head when he was explaining what they were doing with sausages on Friday I just kind of nodded my head in agreement so go see Greg he'll take care of you they've got plate lunches all kinds of great stuff he feeds the baseball team he can feed you so go see Greg at University Avenue across from Kroger uh, that's about all I got I'm gonna head out are you good i good sounds good well we appreciate you guys listening like and subscribe to the podcast Um Rate and review the podcast. You give me five stars, you can say whatever you want about me in the comments or about Colin in the comments. So we'll be back at it on Wednesday.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi media production.